0: everyone and welcome back. I hope you're having a nice start to Q4, which is coming up really quickly here. We're ending Q3 and we have our Q3 CEO roundtable to round off the quarter so we can be prepared for Q4. The topic today is the balancing act of building an impact-focused company with positive returns. So often we have companies that are impact-focused. Of course, we have to continue to focus on the high ROI that's demanded by investors. And so that's what we're going to speak about today. And we can be fully prepared um, to go into Q4, which is right around the corner here. And the year off with being able to balance both, both um, building an impact-focused company uh, with knowing that there has to be a high ROI there for investors to continue to be interested um in investing. So let's go around the round table here. We have three great CEOs joining us. Um and so I will start with you Soji.
1: Uh thank you so much. Aisha. Uh good afternoon uh, everybody. Uh my name is Soji Soyalu. I'm the CEO and co-founder of SMAT. Um at SMAT uh journey has uh, been I simply focused on helping farmers in Africa to achieve maximum crop yield sustainably, leveraging technology. And then, this uh, we've been doing, having a lot of traction in our personal base uh, today, uh, Nigeria, working with farmers up and down the country and uh, partners that are helping us on that journey. Uh, it's exciting to be here and uh, I look forward to this conversation.
0: Thank you, Soji, for joining us. And I'll go to you next, Christian.
2: Thank you, Aisha. Um, my name is Christian. I'm CEO of uh, Connect Home Homes. Uh, Connect Home with uh, we're creating homes designed to enhance your living uh, experience and lower your monthly utility bills uh, by your- lowering your energy and water consumption.
0: Great. Thank you, Christian. And Joseph.
3: Good evening, everyone. I'm um, Joseph Wanume, a CEO of Access to Solar Technologies. We are making sure that we distribute solar energy to all communities that are vulnerable and disadvantaged in areas of Uganda and uh, particularly in the eastern part of the country. You're welcome to see you on the roundtable.
0: Thank you, Joseph, and thanks to all of you for joining us uh, in our Q3 CEO roundtable. So all of you have impact-focused companies, um, and how have you found it navigating the market environment? We're here at the end of Q3, about to enter Q4. Um, how do you see the outlook for the rest of the year for your company and for the industry at large? And I will go to you, Christian.
2: All right. Thank you, um, Aisha. Yeah, it's it, it's a good question. I guess at the moment, uh, depending where your companies are in uh, in progress. On on our side, we are we are a startup. We are a seed startup, so uh, we're very early in the process. We only have a few projects. Um, as an outlook, we see quite a lot of interest and uh, um, a couple of great projects coming in our pipeline for this quarter ending and uh, next quarter as well. When it comes to uh, to investors and impact, I guess it's always an open-ended uh, conversation. Touch wins from time to time uh, and try to, to, to figure out where you are at, uh, at your math, basically, uh, that ROI. But uh, most importantly, at this stage where we are is, uh, is really how many people can we get our product to. Uh, and that's the main conversation uh, right now.
0: And so focused on clients and relationship really kind of building their client base.
2: Yeah, clients. Uh, obviously, um, a product market fit. Uh, so that's always a conversation on the on a topic on the agenda. Uh, so it's uh, it's building up our customer base and and uh, and building up uh, our product market fit. Trying to always fine tune it and uh, trying to find new ways to to explain the product, to explain the solution. And we're in a different market. Let's say it's a, it's a long span sales timeline. It's not a um, Say a SaaS building or something something very uh, very fast growing. It's it, it takes a long time to gather a lot of people at the table um, and uh, guide them through, through through the solution. And then it's a long timeline because we're talking building industry here. It's a long timeline from uh, uh, you know a project based procurement all the way to uh, implementation and um, you know solution uh, finishes, uh finishing patches and um, so it's always an open-ended uh, conversation
0: based on that yeah and i think it's a good point if we find the product market fit i think across industries then you're really able to weather any types of volatility i think in the market here and do you find that same soji uh, for your company in terms of the need uh, to focus on product market fit
1: yeah thank you uh thank you aisha uh, that's uh a good question. Uh, for us, you know, the year uh, 2023, I think with our, our sense of responsibility, it's been our best year so far. We are being traction uh, with our customers in Nigeria, uh, leveraging the partnership with our partner, the uh, Sterling Bank PLC. That space have given us Q1 numbers and Q2 and this Q3 uh, has been good. So in terms of our coverage and the impact we're creating on ground, working with farmers, has been an amazing journey so far uh, the year 2023. We're also opportune to work with a group of uh, women, smallholder farmers uh, in northern Nigeria uh, that are growing maize and rice uh, the first of its kind uh, in our journey. Uh, uh, and that for us is an amazing contribution uh, to that ecosystem and the impact we're creating. And to your point in terms of product, uh, talking to farmers, because in our journey uh, so far, uh, one of the challenges we faced, well, a positive challenge is having to innovate from ground up, having to look at the pain points that farmers are having, and they're creating a product or a solution to solve their problem. And one of the things we embarked on at tail end of Q2 and early Q3 is enhancing our AI capability. I believe everyone on this call, you know, knows about uh, generative AI and how that is helping. And so for us at S Smart, we we came up with this and. Uh, We began to work in that space. And uh, in another few weeks, we're aiming for the first week of October. uh, We're going to make another product announcement to help farmers in Africa, uh, leveraging generative AI. But beyond that, uh, being able to converse with our application. So imagine an African farmer speaking to the phone in their language. Of course, today we're supporting English, Hausa, uh, and Yoruba. Uh, today, these are Nigerian languages. The goal is to scale across the 54 countries. And this product will be taken to the market. The technology team that working around the clock to, to release it. So that for us has been our journey uh, for Q3. And, and another important one that uh, I think a clear validation for us as a company, is our engagement with the global challenge that drive uh, an SVG venture? Uh, they threw up, uh, I think, at the last count, over 900 applications globally. And uh, we were narrowed down to 40 applicants, semi finalists, SMART made up to that list, and uh, were made to pitch individually to drive SVG venture. And, uh, you know, I'm happy to announce uh, as part of, you know, some of the teams we've done uh, for Q3, SMART made it to the final list, top 25 companies, uh, impact-driven companies globally. Uh, we made it to the final list. Uh, and, of course, what that means is, uh, you know, November, Q4, 1st uh, and 2nd, I uh, will be traveling to Santa Clara, California, uh, to make a light pitch. An amazing opportunity for us, and I think something that I would like to mention about our impact—the what we're making—not just in Nigeria, but uh, hopefully spreading to the rest of the world.
0: Yeah, and that is such a great opportunity, and be able to leverage the advances in AI that we see a great uh, thematic um, um, that lots of investors are really pouring money into, and then to have the audience, I think terms of what what you're building um to help farmers increase their crop yields and so that's a great opportunity and and that's what we see also i think when we while we're in this new regime we see new opportunities right because and investors are only looking for resources of alpha ai is one of them uh, but to be able to leverage ai and into other areas like you were saying soji to be able um to have a sort of AI that, that you can that can speak different languages uh, because there's a lot of nuance in different languages, but it's not picked up in English. And so to, to be able to start to leverage that to really even build, build nuance into impact is really, really interesting and, and I, I think it's definitely on the frontier of, of what is possible in impact, right that will, that will really create a really diversified source of alpha. Wow. And Joseph, is it the same for you in terms of um, your finding opportunities to kind of capture alpha, like like we say, um, with your company to to be able to leverage um, current market trends?
3: Uh, yes, Aisha, it is the same scenario. Yeah, in access to solar, we are uh, leveraging on a lot of things like uh, making sure that we extend the service we offer of making sure that everyone has access to clean energy. And uh, as I, you know, our cardinal role is to fight energy poverty. And uh, our main focus or the niche point is around making sure that people have access to power and they run away from the other corrosive and uh, fossil energies that affect their lives and the environment. So we are mainly focusing on uh, institutions like schools, hospitals, and then uh, community centers and uh, household solar systems. And uh, when we look into it, we are impacting directly on the lives of people in big numbers, especially when we touch the schools and health centers, uh, we end up realizing that very many people are benefiting from our solar systems and it is reducing the impact that is on environment so we generate revenue out of it and we make a lot of profit out of it but at the same time the community is benefiting and even the awareness we have uh, really emphasized on making sure that people migrate from the traditional way of lighting up their homes from the traditional way of uh farming like one of the core businesses that access to solar is doing is irrigation pumping what solar water irrigation pumps whereby it has really improved those who have adopted that technology of water pumping they have increased on their yield and it has helped them to increase on their income but at the end of the day the impact outside it is that there is food at the end of the day, people are not languishing with anger. And then when we look on the other side of uh lighting up households, people save money at the end of the day when they use solar energy and solar energy has really helped the communities to see that they run away from the fuels, the Kelsen and other types of fuel, like running generators. So. It is really helping and access to solar as a company, we are generating revenue and sustaining ourselves and the team because we have a big team, which we are looking after, like the employees and even the ambassadors in the community. They all earn a living from the sales that we make. We are running a program with the community organization, which does building houses for grannies and vulnerable mothers. So every house they build, we light it with our solar system. Uh, those houses are similar to those ones of Habitat for Humanity. I guess Habitat for Humanity is world over. So this organization called uh, PEF for Uganda, uh, they build houses. Every year they build a tune of 50 houses. And we are in partnership that for us we come on the part of lighting those houses and making sure that it is powerful charging for radio which is entertainment and lighting so access to solar as a company we are benefiting economically and the community is also benefiting to improve on their livelihood and they also save income that they were spending on uh, fuel spending on uh, dry cells spending on phone charging at least they end up keeping that money for other investments or to take their children to school and all that so uh currently 2023 I can't count it as a bad year because we are still improving ourselves and uh we are blessed that this year 2023 we managed to secure two uh grants which are in form of uh BDS business development support to help us be investment readiness so we anticipate that next year we shall be very ready to tap on international climate change funding from other funding agencies like EU, like uh, World Bank, like uh, UN, UNCDF. So we are very hopeful that we are closing there when we are ready for your investment.
0: Thank you, Jess. If you brought up some great points I, um, here in 2023, we, we have, Mega forces, um, in in terms of AI, renewable energy, or speaking about solar energy that that you focus on in your company, Joseph, and we've we've seen this year that that there are these mega forces uh, being harnessed and coming together in a way um, that we haven't seen in a very long time, and so I think for all of your companies in these sectors and in these themes. Uh, to be able to benefit from the tailwinds of these mega forces should be bringing lots of opportunities, I think, to your companies because the expertise that you've gathered over the years of building your companies and launching the companies, um, speaking to the different stakeholders, that's what's really needed as we start to scale these Forces that we see in terms of increased investment in renewable energy and blockchain for impact use cases and AI for impact use cases, right? So, and that brings me to the new opportunities that you see on the horizon um, as we go into Q4 um, and then going into 2024, uh, because we have the harnessing of mega forces uh, really driving alpha um, towards many different things and impact, what are the new sorts of opportunities that you see on the horizon in your industries? And I'll go back to you, Christian.
2: Exactly. Yeah, there's, um, I, th- I guess, plenty of opportunities in the building industry for sure to, to kind of link with what Joseph was saying, what we do uh, here at Connect Home, it's, uh, it's really harnessing a lot of uh, technologies like solar, but also technologies like uh, smart thermostats or or heat pumps uh, or um, smart heating heating systems, and and bringing them uh, all together to um, to kind of manage them and then make sure that uh, their usage it's it's a big Out of managing so many systems, we see opportunities in uh, in in leveraging some of our systems into. Uh, different products by themselves, uh, products that could be scalable, products that could be separate of our uh, complete package, and uh, products that could link also with what Soju was saying with the use of uh, of generative AI uh, to, to bring more value to people uh, and help more people. So uh, using uh, what we learned so far to uh, create new products uh, that uh, that could reach more people, that could help. Uh, one of these products could be uh, what uh, what we are working on right now uh, is leveraging a service that we have included in our package with builders, uh, leveraging a service to offer it to consumers directly, um, a service that could uh, just simply monitor the energy that they're using in their home and links with a switching energy regulator in uh, in um, in country we uh, don't know in 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 every european country there is an energy regulator and there is an a switching party that deals and helps consumers switch energy so um, through a simple api we we are we're basically connecting the two once a consumer knows that it's uh, overspending on energy, they can switch directly to a cheaper tariff and uh, save in that process possibly hundreds of uh, of, of euros a year. Uh, so that's uh, one example. So um, the links back to, to your question, it's standalone services, simple services to understand that uh, can reach uh, quite a lot of people and help them understand more about the energy that they use Uh, help uh, them understand where is this energy coming from, and more importantly, help them choose where this energy is coming from. They can choose suppliers uh, that uh, bring energy from uh, gas or from coal or from renewable sources like wind or solar. And that excites us um, quite a lot because it brings added value to to the customer. And in the same time, it it kind of uh, brings knowledge to uh, to the mass market about where energy is coming from and gives them that choice to switch oh uh, and yeah by the way, the switch then can happen automatically without uh without the customer doing it
0: that's a really great point Christian because we we know that we have the mega forces as tailwinds um in all of your sectors and industries and there's quite a lot of demand but it hasn't quite reached the mass market yet, and so there is a conversation that that has to happen between customers, clients, and companies in terms of just a sort of education of what the market is and what it's turning into in terms of the regulations. Uh, because uh, those are, I'm, I'm sure, not um, everyone is following the regulations on a daily basis, right? And so that's quite important to be able to speak to the mass market to be able to shift right because it's because it's really the shift happening in the mass market um, and 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 that's very much on the ha today. yeah
2: the, we looked uh, we looked at um at, at that and uh, you know we i think we're um um fortunate that we we work in a highly regulated industry and in a highly regulated uh, uh geographical area the the European community and um we, um, and highly digi- digitalized or in process of being highly digitalized. And that brings quite a lot of, uh, of opportunity. So, um, uh, that's where we, we see servicing uh, services coming over, uh, uh, very close, uh, into the future, um, leveraging the the digital, digitalization of the public service that is happening and has been happening for about 10 years now. And uh, bringing knowledge and education to consumers, that alone will bring quite a lot of changeover uh, or change of behavior, let's say, from a consumer perspective. And looking at that, uh, and looking at the consumer uh, of of how the how people choose to use their energy uh, is not a big point or a top point in their agenda daily. Um, uh, however, through this education, we can we can make it comfortable. We can make it easy and automatic with you know leveraging different systems that are already available and making it automatic, making it easy and comfortable. That relaxes people. That takes the pressure off the decision factor that that people may have. It allows them to then you know spend more time to what really matters to them.
0: Right, and so it's more of a conversation. I think it's a real shift in terms of how we think of scaling, right? It's much more of a conversation between a client base and companies um, about what is coming in the market and how, like you said, Christian, showing the benefits for for them. But in a way that is more about creating an atmosphere where they know that they can reach out for questions Mm -hmm. and it's in a conversation. And do you find this same Soji for the products that you're launching in AI, uh, that it's important to uh, reach the mass market in terms of education and conversations.
1: Yeah, Aisha, thank you. I think that's uh, that's an amazing question. That you know, it is a challenge for impact-driven organization uh, like you know, Krista uh, and Joseph and myself, and of course, uh, yourself running. Uh, we're a bigger organization in that space. How do we scale impact-driven uh, solution across people that perhaps we're going to be taking them on that journey to see value in what we're building? And so for us at Smart, we've been looking for that opportunity. The product launch that I talked about, I think for into the future uh, is going to drive that scale uh, one of the challenges facing farmers in Africa is access to information. So they are facing real-life situation on their farm, uh, follow worm on the farm, the maize growers and the CDs, and they don't have a clue, how can I solve this problem? So often what these farmers have depended on so far is to depend on agri-extension folks. Uh, to educate them. The unfortunate thing is that uh, those guys are human and they're very few. So uh, when you are not talking of an agric extension person covering like thousands of farmers, it dilutes their value. SMART is solving this problem uh, with uh, generative AI capability uh, so that farmers can now ask questions directly to our heart. Now, and that question could be in terms of typing it, but we also figured it out. Not too many people are literate. I mean, even those who speak English may not be able to read or write English. I've seen that so far. And how will we be able to help them as, again, just typing? Because, yet they could type, but then to use their voice. And that's where ESMA came up with this capability to... So, you know, put language processor. And language is difficult, okay, because one thing is someone to speak, uh, you know, I know Joseph, for example, in Uganda, and Christians in his own geography, will be able to speak some language and he will be like, okay, how will we figure that out? We're able to grab that So For us, it provides unique opportunity into the future, we think this will foil our growth significantly as we move into Q4 and Q1 and beyond of 2024 because then farmers can leverage this technology and ask day-to-day questions. So one of them, I, I think that's an opportunity for us and to connect to the teaming young people in, in Africa. Young people, uh, uh, permit me to use this word, I, I don't mean that in any derogatory way, but is the only word that comes to my mind that they see agriculture as not trendy. And so, if you want to make agriculture farming sexy for young people, mm-hmm. then we need to give them tools that they are used to. An average millennial or a Gen Z who love agriculture, they're used to halves. So, let's give them that tool and then that makes brings the attraction. So, we think this will follow our growth. Also, one of the opportunities, uh, because you asked the question, the opportunity into the future beyond generative AI helping farmers were equally as an action working on how do we measure document? Because at the heart of SMART is farm data. How do we collect data that will help farmers measure the carbon footprint on their farm? And then, you know, this is data haunted by, you know, for climate action world over. If s smart were able to document this and create a kind of a map, starting from Nigeria and then scaling to the remaining 53 countries of carbon footprint in different geography, and of course, leveraging AI, uh, we think this will help in the climate action if we equally provide revenue to farmers in terms of carbon credit, is something we're looking at. We think that effort will be more likely something we're zoning uh, at the beginning of 2024. And I shall. I can say this over and over again, for the future, it is sales, sales, sales. We need to bring in the money. Uh, and while we're creating impact, We need to equally bring value to our shareholders and to investors alike as well.
0: The answer is always sales, right? And so that's what we were speaking about in terms of being able to enhance uh, your client base, to be able to have conversations with your clients, um, because if you have a client base who are satisfied with your products, that will bring the investors and to be able to reach the mass market. Joseph, have you found the same in your company that it's important if you want to expand your client base, uh, and, and reach more of the mass market, then these conversations with, with your clients to be able to expand your client base?
3: Yes, Aisha, I see a lot of opportunities to expand as a company and to increase on the impact. But, uh, the only way we can do it is through a hardware of Going for impactful projects that are like, uh, C and I, commercial and industrial, uh, systems that can help probably like farmers to do value chain on their crops, like, uh, coming up with maize meals that are powered by solar, coming up with, uh, milk, uh, reservoirs that are powered by solar, which can impact on very many people benefit very many people like for maize meal, very many auto growers will have access to where they can supply their corn and then the person who is milling that corn using solar will buy from them and also generate revenue at the end of the day but if they are using a national grid which is hydropower and diesel generated power it tends to be a little bit expensive for them and they can't go for it. So at the end of the day, the impact that is created on the farmers is not seen anywhere. But with access to solar going for C and I, commercial industrial systems, it can improve on the livelihood of the farmers. It can improve on the livelihood of the entrepreneurs who are running the uh, small scale industries or small and medium industries. This can really help to generate revenue for access to solar as a company because we have sold a bigger system to the entrepreneur who is building in a maize mill. And also the owner of the maize mill is extending that to the farmers who are supplying in the corn. So at the end of the day, the value chain is seen. And after getting that value chain, Automatically, the impact will increase. But remember, even the carbon print will also increase. For example, if we are doing a a small system of 500 watts and the industry is taking a system of 10 kilo kilowatt, that means we have increased on the size of the panels, which is reducing on the carbon print, which is reducing on the fossil fumes around the community. So the impact on the climate is high. The impact on the income of the clients is also high. And the impact on access to solar as a company is also high because the profit is there. So currently the challenge we have is the capital intensity of the system that very few customers who can afford to go for it. But given chance that we have accessed funding probably in 2024 as we are expecting. We shall be in position to extend finances to the end user. We shall have refinanced systems. For example, a client can come and wants to set up a meal and they will pay only 15 or 20% and we shall pay the 80% and you will start paying slowly by slowly for a period of time. So we see that happening in the near future when we get access or when we tap on the uh, international funding from EU, from whoever will be in position to fund us with uh, either debt or equity or grant. So, currently, we see a lot of opportunities in the sector of solar energy and renewable energy that given just that we have the capital, we shall take it up. Because as we talk right now in Uganda, it is still below 40% of the clean energy coverage. And that 40% is in the urban areas. Yet, the urban areas constitute a very small percentage of the entire country uh, land area. So, we see a lot of opportunities ahead of us as access to solar and as renewable energy sector.
0: There are quite a lot of opportunities in solar energy. And so, Drew, you brought up a good point about uh, being able to appeal to youth. And we speak about concurrent uh, kind of clients, but kind of you all thought about future clients. So, it is true that the generations coming after us um, um, are very used to digital. Uh, they've grown up with it. Um, they're, they're used to apps. They're used to using AI now, and uh, to be able to predict. And they're going to demand a lot as a client base in terms of access to digital. So, in terms of thinking about, um, as you scale your companies, being being able to appeal to youth and the younger generations who are here and who are growing up in the digital space and AI, um, how are you positioning your companies uh, to be able to appeal to the future clients in the digital space?
1: Yeah, yeah. Amazing question, uh, Aisha. So we thought of this very carefully, Uh, the demography and, and this is, I'm going to zone into Nigeria because we did this study uh, on the Nigerian space, but I reckon the same will be true for the remaining countries in Africa. The bulk of the smallholder farmers, I'm talking of 80% of smallholder farmers are age 65 and above today. A 65-year-old man or woman, young, but you wouldn't compare the energy of a 25-year-old to a 65-year-old. There are two different scales. And so we figured it out that A, the sustainability of agriculture on the continent is not going to be built on a 65-year-old generation. It has to be on the young people sustainability-wise and vis-a-vis the sustainability of a smart business as a business. Uh, if we scale into the future, we have to cater for this demography. And so uh, we're interfacing a, uh, with these young people. Uh, I was, you know, discussing, for example, with one of them sometimes ago, this like two to three months ago, and I asked a very basic question uh, from this amazing young lady. Uh, we is into agriculture, university educator savvy savvy with technology but passionate about farming so i asked her this question how much did you spend as an expense last month on your farm so one month ago uh and their response was okay yeah yeah, i know that i can go figure it out think about it as okay let's not go far how much did you spend last week and then she just started laughing because there was no information. And I said, that's a problem there because if your farming business, you do not even know the outgoing of that business. Uh, when you create the crops and the grow and you sell, how will you know you have a functional business? So for us at SMART, one of the things we are, I mean, as part of this revamped app that I talked to you about, you know, with the AI capability. Is building digital tools, finance digital tools into a mobile app so that farmers, these young people, they can scan receipts, they can put finance record in one app, okay? And that one app is called any farm app, any farm, one app for every farmer. We think if we give them enough tools, we'll be able to cater for their need. We're constantly innovating around that space. And I think in our world at at the company, if we keep innovating, uh, providing these tools for them, uh, they, they will be able to capture their attention. And as they do the agriculture, we're providing them with all of our other capabilities. We're helping them to be better farmers. We're helping them to grow sustainably, depending less and less on chemicals and fertilizer, sustaining the environment, uh, and you know, and all that comes with that within the climate space. Uh, we think this is the future for us, and this approach we're taking uh to to achieving this
0: and I think it's such a smart approach to first get feedback from the younger farmers like you were saying they're into seeing the gaps that they need, and then to take that into your product and see how you can really kind of fill those gaps uh, for the younger farmers. Christian, what about in the sustainable home industry? Uh, how are you preparing for the future clients, or maybe current clients? Uh, maybe in different different ages, do you do you do you see a difference in, in what they are asking for or the conversation that you have? Know?
2: Well, um, it, it depends. Um, we have different type of customers uh, in in the supply chain, so um, some of our customers may be. Um, real estate investors. Uh, They don't really use digital tools rather than, uh, let's say, WhatsApp or or emails. (laughs) Uh, But um, um, moving along towards the supply chain uh, or the customer chain, you'll have architects and uh, you'll have engineers, uh, you'll have installers that um, in their daily jobs, they use a lot of digital tools we do integrate with uh, with their in digital tool, tools already so for example engineers and architects may use uh, different versions of a bim system to um, draw plans or or uh, to design a system these tools are are well known in the industry and uh, they have open apis for us to kind of integrate with them and uh, we already did uh, in, in many aspects moving along towards the end of the supply chain you have the installers that install our products they have really good digital tools but then again here it depends on the area and and where are they located um, and these tools will help them uh, install uh, an array of products and these tools are already provided by manufacturers of the materials that they are installing we're only really facilitating access to those tools and then the end customer, the end customer who uh, moves in the house and uh, receives, uh, receives an app on their phone. That's our app. Our customers are, you know, are kind of, kind of um, love the app because it's, it's a private personal app. It's, uh, it's not a connected app to the internet. It's a local app that gives them local control and local security. A lot of great insights about their own home. Um, obviously, they have an option to connect it to the internet if they want to take that up uh, on the road with them and monitor other places or monitor their home from uh, from abroad. But, but um, we started from there and worked backwards. Uh, so we started from what our end customers really want, and what kind of tools do they need to monitor their home and to manage their bills. Uh, some of them want websites, some of them want an app, some of them want... Uh, a screen on a wall, and we managed to kind of figure out uh, that most customers were, will be will be happy with an app, but we haven't ignored uh, the minority of the customers that they just want a uh, you know a screen on a wall. So our app works on on all of those devices, but it's all uh, I guess a journey that you have with your customers because working back from what they want to. What do we need to give them what they want? It's it's uh, it's really important. Yeah, as you said as well. It depends on the age basically, and the, the uh, also in in our industry also it depends on the social status as well uh, of what they really want. So nothing better than speaking with the customers all the time and then working back from there to your product and uh, figuring out really what do you need to build that product.
0: And that's. Such a great point to, to be able to then know what the customer wants and needs by working backward and then taking into account background and age. But each client and customer have very different needs. And you really all only know that by being in the conversations with them over time. Also, I, I think it's something, um, to bring up is, is, is that it takes time to have the conversations with customers. Right. And so. We're also looking at 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 that, right? We can speak because yeah. people, right? And so, and so you you kind of have to build build that and build the connection over time, and then you kind of start to have a really good idea of what the customers need and to be able to anticipate their needs, which is which is probably what you want to get to
2: it's it's a very good product validator um, in, in that way but it's also a very deep rough hole that you don't want to get into so it's 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 a two-way street or uh, or, or uh, the two-way cutting sword uh, in talking with customers right uh, so um you must uh, you know you must know how to really take what you need from uh, from the information you get from the customer and put it together with all the information you have in order not to fall in uh, deep rat holes that might impact on your business. Um, so yeah a lot of uh, a lot of customers know what they want a lot of customers don't know what they want. Um, so trying to kind of uh, solve a lot of problems for all the customers it's it's a deep rat hole that uh, that you may not want to fall in um so yeah it's it's very important you talk to them but it's also very important you, you kind of uh step aside and and kind of look at the uh, information that suits you from uh, from those conversations and uh the ones that you can apply and in many cases customers might talk of problems that um they're provoked by underlying problems that you may know of and uh, you, may, you may want to solve those rather than. The, the front facing problems, you know, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's a two way street. It's um uh, it's a slippery slope
0: as well. I think it's the balancing act of the company that yeah. you naturally have more of the macro outlook and you know, the products that, that you're creating, but then you also have the users yeah. who are coming with their own viewpoints points and perspectives. And you have to balance that, uh, with, with knowing more of the macro outlook of the industry. And Joseph, do you find the same in in terms of the, the need to uh, speak with customers and clients to be able to know what their needs and wants are, uh, to be able to scale and to be able to predict what's next in the market?
3: Yes, we always uh, listen to the customers because uh, in a, in solar energy, uh, they are the ones who gives us what they exactly want because we are solving their needs and their needs are always rotating around what they want. So we, we, we are a little bit different from Christian that, uh, we can't ignore them reason being, uh, they're the ones who gives us what we should do for them. Though we give them the standards that it ranges from this to this so that they cannot go outside the range. But uh, we always listen to them and they share with us what they need. For example, a client comes to you and tells you that for us, we want to use the solar for everything. For Let me cite an example of an household. An household will tell you, I want everything in my house to work on solar. And uh, you have to address that challenge by solving everything. And if it is getting outside your reach, that is when you tell the customer that you said you want everything to work, but according to this and this, it will require you this much of money. But if you can't afford it, then we can go for, for this alternative. And you provide an alternative that can suit to that client's income or ability to pay, and then you go provide it. But for cases of other customers, for example, who are in productive use of solar energy. In most cases, they also don't know what exactly they want. And what they want to hear is you to show them that you can solve their problem of either high bills from the national grid, or to tell them that you can provide a technology that can be used in an off-grid society, and it can solve their challenge of traveling distances to go to a far urban areas to access the service. So such customers, it is our mandate to tell them. In most cases, they don't know exactly what they want because they don't even know what is on the market. For example, currently we are using lithium iron for productive use and majority of customers, they are used to uh, batteries that use a uh, technology of gel and lead uh, acid. So we have to tell them that of late we have uh, lithium-ion batteries that can last long, that can, uh, that have low discharge rate. So if you, and they don't need enough space, you can use one battery and it gives you enough power to run your petrol station or to run your your, uh, mini industry. So we end up at least uh, segmenting them. Those who are in household consumption, they know what they want, and we already solve them the way they are. But those who are in productive views, first of all, they come to us when they even doubt whether we can provide the service. They come when they think our solar system can't run their machineries. So it is upon us to reach them first, tell them what we can provide, and they buy in doubt it is until after citing or giving them references or even running them a small video and show them that it is working in India, it is working in Kenya, it is working in Nigeria, and then they appreciate and buy in the idea. But uh, we always have to listen to them.
0: Yeah, and... That's a great point. It's uh, you to be able to listen to customers, um, have the balancing act of having the outlook for your own company and product uh, while listening to customers at, at the same time. So we really are in a period where we have a mega forces that have come together in and have acted as the catalyst to supercharge impact in terms of the sustainable home industry and solar energy and crop yields and, and all of your businesses. And we'll probably continue to see the the harnessing of these mega forces going into 2024. Um, and then the question is, how how do we have the balancing act of being being able to keep track and keep, keep track of the momentum yeah. As we go forward, while listening to customer and client needs. So, thank you all for joining us today for our CEO roundtable. Thank you, Christian, Joe, and Sochi. It's especially in this Friday evening. I think we can all tell we're very passionate founders <laughs> because this is how we choose to spend our Friday evenings um, speaking about our businesses. But it's really so important uh, what what you're all working on. I'm always very motivated and very inspired um, by, by all of your founders' journeys and by the businesses that you're building. And, and so we're very happy to point out your visions and your missions. And thank you for joining us today.
1: Yeah, well, thank you, Aisha, for the amazing work. Well done. And uh, uh, if I may say this to Joseph, I think he's dealing with a lot of farmers in Uganda. Maybe I need to talk to you to come get some customers. <laughs> <How about that? laughs> and and this is, good is, good great, good. <laughs> this is the
0: great thing about our CEO roundtable. There's lots of business that we can do, also, and and um, and this is what we're focused on here at ImpactBus is really creating the ecosystem. I really believe that if if we create the ecosystem between investors, between founders, between companies, that we can really drive impact forward in in a way that will have a so, really substantial effect on building a bit more sustainable future here. And so, yeah, so, so it's a great ecosystem that we have here at our CEO
1: Roundtable as well. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. So, Joseph, stand by, I will ping you. <laughs>
3: yeah, Soji, <laughs> <the>, so <the, laughs> you're, you're right. You're right. You can't live in Uganda and you ignore uh, agriculture because agriculture, in fact, Uganda is an agriculture-driven economy. Uh, it is our biggest... As income. We we can't really do anything without tapping on agriculture. But yeah. I will be waiting for your communication.
1: Oh you bet <laughs> I will come for sure. Have <laughs> I mean, a good evening. Thank you, Aisha. Thank you. <laughs> uh,
2: good evening guys. Uh, thank, thank you, Aisha. You guys. Uh, thank, thank you guys.
1: Thank you. I mean, yeah.
2: good evening. Bye. Good evening to you.